Hi all, welcome back to the Wheelie Stagey podcast. Your host Kerry here as always. I just wanted to start this episode by saying a massive thank you to everyone who got in touch with me after the release of my previous episode, My Dad and the Show Dads. You'll remember that that was a difficult one for me and that I've been umming and ahhing whether to share it. Um, I remember speaking to some of you directly and kind of sort of thinking, oh, I, I want to be able to share it on the podcast because not only would it be sort of helpful for me to talk about my experiences of loss and grief and how I've been coping with it, um, I was just thinking if it helps somebody else as well, that was really important to me. But on the other hand, I have been umming and eyeing about whether it would be too morbid and too heavy a subject to have here on the podcast. But your lovely comments that I received after it and the reaction to the episode in general was lovely. So thank you for showing me that I've done the right thing by being open and honest. And uh, it actually ended up being really fun. You'll remember that I wanted to share what had been a kind of dark period in my life this year and link it to something special that I really love. And I hope I did that well. And, yeah, like I say, your comments were amazing, and I can't thank you all enough for uh, just warming my heart and soul and convincing me that I'd made the right decision. Now, I want to start this, our sixth episode. Six already, can you believe that? I I certainly can't. Um, With a little bit of confession by saying that my original plan for this episode got derailed slightly. Not unexpectedly, given the rules at the time, but in late August and early September, I finally made it back to... uh, or say back to... I finally made it to the South Pacific by way of Chichester Festival Theatre, and I cannot wait to share my experience of that show with you all. I was hoping to record it recently, but again, life things have been happening. You'll know my, some of you will know, I should say, some of you will know that our favourite little podcast, Milo, has unfortunately um, recently had a spinal injury. He's recovering well though, all signs are good. He's on cage rest at the moment, which he absolutely hates. But he's astonishing all the vets and is a bit of a medical marvel, um, which has been really, really lovely because I've had lots of stress and sort of anxiety about whether he'd be okay and not really wanting to kind of focus on being creative and not really having the energy to do that. But now that he's back or sort of firmly on the road to recovery, I wanted to get back up to date with the podcast. As well as South Pacific, I also 
recently got back to the Noel Coward Theatre in London for the first time, I think, since 2019 for me to see the new play they've currently got running there. That's 222, A Ghost Story. And I also, back in August, in fact, the week after I went to see 222, I could be found at the glorious Regent's Park Open Air Theatre to see the revival of Carousel. So this episode included, you'll have four to listen out for in the coming weeks and months. I hope you guys enjoy all of them as much as I have fun recording them. Back to the episode at hand, though. If I may, I'd like to take you all slightly further back than August to the 29th of July, where I had the absolute privilege and pleasure of being back at the Lyceum Theatre in London for reopening night of one of my favourites, The Lion King. Now, I know, I know, I talk about this show a lot, but given what it means to me, and as it means a lot to me, and how my relationship with the show has changed and grown, especially in the light of my dad's passing, and the fact that I've seen it so many times and realised that I had yet to dedicate an episode to it on the podcast all of its own, I figured it was about time I did something about that and wanted to spend the rest of this episode celebrating the Lion King and my love for this show with you all. So let's go back to the Pride Lounge, shall we? with everything in my theatre going life, um, some of you will know that I tend to have a little bit of a running joke about the shows that become most special to me, in that I am, more often than not, incredibly late to the party, and The Lion King is no exception. I first saw it in, in London on February the 6th, 2016, and before that, I think the UK tour um, came to my local, the Bristol Hippodrome, at the year or two before, but yes, I didn't see the London production until 2016, and I know the show itself is currently in its 21st year, and I believe correct me if I'm wrong, that makes it the sixth longest running West End musical of all time. From way back then to now, I have seen the show 12 times. And here's a little bit of a fun fact for you all. It could have been my first West End show way back in 97 or 98. Um, my family and I, we went to London as, um, for the day and we needed a show to um, sort of fill our evening. And it was going to be a Disney affair regardless of what happened. So it was either going to be The Lion King or Beauty and the Beast. 
I voted for Lion King, my mum went for Beauty and the Beast, and the men in my family, being the way they were and are, decided to go with whatever mum wanted to do. So I was outvoted and we ended up at Beauty and the Beast instead. So where the Lion King is concerned, maybe subconsciously there's a little bit of an element of wanting to make up for lost time in there. I'm not sure. And I'm going to put this on record. The Lion King has never actually been up there with my favourite Disney films. Shock horror, I know. Um, But the the show um, has really gotten under my skin and it will further hold a special place in my heart. about The Lion King is being that repeat attendee, having seen it 12 times, in an auditorium full of people, many of whom um, may be families with young children having their first experience of live theatre, and who wouldn't have seen it before, and just their reaction to Circle of Life and how that unfolds and how it's staged is incredible. Literally, it gives me such a high, sort of hearing that collective, there's something really special about that collective gasp um, in the, with the way that the animals come down and just everybody seeing it, it gives me such a buzz and you hear lots of excited murmuring. It never, ever gets old and I will never ever tire of the energy and the buzz I get from being in that um, that sort of in well, the whole show generally but something about the, the applause after Circle of Life being the opening number is insane and there's nothing else quite like it and it really sets the tone for the rest of the show as well and I always clap my hands till they're sore and I often can be found sort of whooping loudly and rather enthusiastically. 
So that's really fun, just sort of feeding off the energy from my fellow audience members. It's also a really vibrant and colourful show. The, like, the level of detail in Julie Taymor's costume design is completely astonishing and I often lament bitterly the fact that I am not able to sit up closer and appreciate the level of detail and the intricacy that goes into the design for this show. And in that, I have to talk about the mask design and the puppetry. The mask design um, was between, again, Julie Taymor and um, Michael Curry. And the masks for adult Simba, Scar, Nala when she's an adult, Mufasa and the lionesses are my favourite elements of design in the show. And I love hearing about the work that goes into designing them and how they're kept in tip-top shape. Literally, I'm all cut, sort of costume and design and everything, all that side of the West sort of putting on a show in the theatre, but especially in the West End, has always fascinated me and always sort of sounds really exciting. And I am just fascinated by the sort of the intricacy and the finer details so I think working on a show like this where the costumes are really really intricate and the design is so colourful and vibrant would be really really fun and again it's one of those things that that no matter how many times I I see it I'm always picking up on sort of new, smaller details and nuances. So that that's amazing in itself. Excuse me if you hear a rustling. I have got some paperwork because I have a quote that I want to show with you later and I've got it written down. So yes, I just love the design and everything about it. Um, as well as the masks, there's also some absolutely incredible puppetry. In terms of that, my favourites are the giraffes and the cheetah. And I'm forever in awe of the thought process that goes into... has gone into the design and the way... and the choreography done by Garth Fagan and the way these actors have to learn to move like animals. It's really evocative and striking. And I've got to give a special mention also to the Timon puppet, because it seems like a hell of a workout, whoever is in control, and for the level of concentration it must take to play Zazu. And everyone makes it look so effortless. And I recently found an interview with Julie Taymor, who also directed the show, as well as um, did the costume design and everything, where she says, let me find it, excuse me, I'll be wrestling again. The actors wear masks above their faces because I wanted to present the animal and the human simultaneously. When an animal attacks, the mask can be taken off and pushed forward in an aggressive manner. 
One of the first animals I designed was the giraffe. I wanted to use stilts, but also show how they were attached to the arms of the dancers. We didn't want to hide the strings or the rods on any of the puppets, but rather expose the mechanics and let the art of making theatre become part of the experience. And it really does, well, for me anyway, like I say, I love the puppetry and the way that you can, like she was quoted saying there about not wanting to hide the kind of mechanics of the puppetry away, but just the way they've managed to have that, but um, have this really sort of interesting blend between um, sort of creating these animals, but blending them with humans and the fact that there are people wearing those masks and inside those puppets that also give them another element of depth and and what's the word sort of another sort of layer of power and meaning it's really really fun so speaking of humans learning to move like animals I think that leads me nicely onto the cast. I hope so. Anyway, was that was that a smooth segue? Would you say? So I'm going to talk to you next about the people that have brought this show to life for me and what they've come to mean. years as a Lion King fan, I've been blessed to have seen four amazing Simbas. My first was Jonathan Andrew Hume, who is currently over at the Phoenix Theatre wowing audiences in Come From Away. After Jonathan, I saw Owen Chaponda, followed by Nika Fea, and most recently Kai Uche, more on the latter very soon. Um, alongside my four Simbas, I have seen two incredible Nalas. That's Ava Brennan and Janique Charles. I've had three amazing Timons. So, Jamie McGregor, Richard Frame and Ben Heathcote. And alongside my three Timons, I've had Double Thunder Duty, pulled by... Keith Buckman and Mark Roper, as well as double Zazu duty. So my Zazus have been Howard Gossington and Gary Jordan. I've seen two absolutely incredible Rafikis and I must apologise in, in advance for my terrible pronunciation on both of these. So Rafiki-wise, I have seen the incredible Guguana Delamini and Lindy Ray McKeezy. And I've also seen two amazing Mufasas in Shona Scoffery and Matthew Vinito, as well as a whole raft of young Simbas and Nalas because they change every time. They have, um, I think, three or four kids who rotate that role. So I've had many different combinations, um, young Simba-wise and Nala-wise. You'll notice some 
everybody missing from that list. Um, more on them a little bit later on. Um, now, sometimes I get a little bit frustrated at not being able to have better seats and sort of being able to see the cast board because I go in a different entrance and sort of I want to be able to, when I'm talking about the show, afterwards on my social media, I like to be able to give credit where credit's due to the right people. But needless to say, regardless of who's on, it's always a heck of a road. Um, this show in particular is one that reminds me very much of a running joke my dad and I used to have. He couldn't understand why I would see or sort of pay the money that I pay because, as we all know, theatre um, and being a, being, a, being a fan of theatre, I should say, isn't the cheapest hobby to have. So Dad could never understand how I would pay money to see something I've already seen once over and over again, in this case, 12 times. And I would always say to him that while the script and the songs are the same, how it's delivered is always fresh and exciting, depending on who's on stage and why they switch, and the way the actors switch things up to keep it interesting for themselves and how that allows them to bring out different shades and nuances to their characters. And for me, that's a quality I really love and appreciate in my theatre going and one that I get in spades from The Lion King. Um, so all these different elements and um, of interpretation and what actors choose to focus on mean that I'm always learning and sort of seeing as many interpretations as I have. I'm always learning and sort of understanding more about these characters each time I visit. And that for me is just really special and enjoyable. So this show was the last I saw pre our first lockdown back in March. Um, I can say with complete honesty and sincerity that I wouldn't have wanted my return to the West End to be anywhere else. The atmosphere back in July was insane and it was incredible to be back seeing so many beloved familiar faces as well as welcoming some new ones. So that in mind, let's begin with Kai Ushe, the new symbol on the Broadlands. Now, I last saw Kai as Lola in the UK tour of Kinky Boots when it came to my local, and I was bowled over by his portrayal there. So when it was initially announced that he was cast as Simba, my immediate reaction was, Oh wow, what a change, and I was really excited to see him perform again. I cannot wait to see how his portrayal 
continues to grow and develop. For me, there's a sassy note there that reminded me so much of his take on Mola. And I love that his symbol's got a little bit of swagger and a little bit of an attitude, which I adore and I love. Um, but the way Kai manages to blend that with real sweetness and vulnerability is really special and really potent and powerful. And for me, that first time back in July, I really appreciated that. I've spoken before about how elements of this show have brought and continue to bring me tremendous comfort in the wake of my dad's passing. And in light of that, I had, I knew that come, so I knew that coming face to face with um, these might stir up some quite difficult um, sort of feelings and make watching the show for that first time since dad's death um, quite a difficult watch. And parts of it were, tears were shared. Um, but I just want to say a massive thanks to Kai, Sean and Hunter, our young Simba, for that evening, for their warmth and sensitivity and the gorgeous father-son dynamic that they had going on between the three of them. That, that really sort of helped and sort of made my heart feel to burst. Um, and it all allowed me to confront and work through my grief and having that was really healing um, and really powerful so thank you to Sean, Kai and Hunter speaking of Sean he's always been an incredible Mufasa in my eyes he's charming and charismatic and his, his rich, warm vocal never ever fails to not make me go weak at the knees. Honestly, I get the most delicious goosebumps every time he uh, opens his mouth to sing. And what I love especially about Mufasa is the scenes that he shares with Zazu where he sounds off about his anxiety about Simba and wanting to encourage his curiosity but acknowledge how Simba sort of gets in a lot of trouble and how that stresses him out. And then he sort of teases Zazu about about the fact that Sarabi has said to Mufasa that Zazu needs to get the sack because of what happened when Simba and Nala run away to the elephant um to the elephant graveyard um and the fact that Zazu is petrified and he freaks out and then Mufasa turns around and say um sort of says it's just it's just a joke. I was <laughs> I was only joking. So the way the musical manages to flesh out the character a little bit more just by adding these little extra things in for me, makes his appearance to Simba in Act 2 all the more poignant and sort of believable. 
speaking of fleshing out, I think the show does some wonderful work to make more of its female characters. Mala has more to do, and she is, I'm going there, I'm going to say it, I dare, I dare. Um, Mala is, to me, or for me, a lot more feisty and a lot more interesting than the film makes of um, makes of her counterpart. And Rafiki has been gender swapped from the film into the musical. In the musical, she is a healer and the character who is there to help Simba on his journey. And I, I know from a little bit of research and some interviews that I've watched about the show is that in South African culture, shamans are predominantly predominantly female, hence the decision to make Rafiki female. She's also the first voice we hear on stage and the one who brings the animals together at the top of the show. And there's power in that. There's there's real sort of intensity and emotion and and something really powerful about that. Um that I love. Um, Gugwana has continually blown me away with her vocal and I love how her Rafiki had moments of silliness and making me laugh alongside her innate strength and wisdom. At time of recording, Gugwana has moved on from the London production to star in the US tour of the show, I believe. Um, I never got to, I never had the pleasure of meeting her um, and thanking her for her portrayal in person. Alas, so this is me doing it here and I'm really going to miss her um, playing Rafiki, but I can't wait to welcome a new face next time I go to the show. And speaking, speaking of laughter, Gary Jordan always makes me proper, proper belly laugh at Zazie. I actually, I actually don't like the character all that much as he is in the film. I've always just found him a little bit pompous and annoying and irritating. And yet Gary has totally converted me. He's just got this ease and sort of the way he his sort of um, manages to sort of deliver his lines and what he does with the character makes him so likable and endearing to me. And I love his dry deadpan humour. I continually laugh about the the um, the shower joke, and I mentioned it earlier. I love the scenes between Gary and Sean as Zazu and Mufasa. They always make me smile. And I'm also never left without a smile on my face, thanks to all my Timons and Pumbas. Jamie and Mark, who are my current um, Timon and Pumba, they play off each other spectacularly, and they're a delight from start to end. And again, like with the top of the show, I always 
delight in the sheer joy and energy that I get from the audience watching those two on stage, particularly after um, Hakuna Matata and again later on in Act 2 where they've got some really funny lines as well. They're a delight from start to end and I love both of their portrayals to bits. I mentioned earlier how I feel Nala is done a better service here compared to in the animated film. Um, and I think that's in no small part thanks to Janique Charles who plays Nala at the moment. I've seen her play opposite a couple of my Simbas and what fascinates me and what surprises me and what I love most about the way she plays Nala is the way that she is so easily able to adapt her take on the character to what the, what the other actors bring especially in terms of Simba and to me that is really really fascinating because of that um, her I find that her portrayal kind of grows and develops and changes as well and she does it so subtly and so easily it's fascinating um, Nala she, she's incredibly fierce and stands up for what she believes in and those she, she cares about. And it's always fun watching Jinnick play with those um, dynamics and bring those qualities to the fore. She also gets to sing one of my absolute favourite numbers from the show, Shadowland, which always always brings the house down and again I clap my hands till they're sore and often whoop myself hoarse watching her and again it's just been an absolute joy I again similarly um, with Guguana I haven't um, yet had the pleasure of meeting Janique and thanking her for Nala so again this is my opportunity to do that. It's always a joy and I can't thank her enough um, for the way she always surprises me and sort of forces me to... the way she's kind of forced me to get past my preconceptions about Nala as a character and sort of develop more of an interest in her. Um, so that has, been, that has been really important to me as well and it's always a joy and a privilege watching her play the role now rattling off my cast earlier you'll notice or you might remember that I left somebody out and that's Scar and because he's my favourite I wanted to save him till last lots of different actors play the other roles. George Asprey, who has played Scar since 2008 alongside Sean, who also joined then as Mufasa. George, for the most part, has, um, has been my constant with the show 
And for that, I am incredibly grateful. I've always loved Scar. Let's be honest, the villains are more fun, right? Sure, he's a nasty piece of work who murders his brother, but I adore that he's always incredibly suave and witty, and George manages to bring that out in in spades and play around with his dynamics. I, like I say, I love how witty he is. Like one of my all-time favourite lines in the show, hands down, is when Simba and Nala go back to the Pride Lands and confront Scar. Um, and he says, "Oh look, the cat's back." Hello Kitty, and it's just, oh, I just love that line so much, it just gives me chills, and I chuckle a little bit all the time. And watching George perform, he brings out all these different shades and nuances, and just plays around with what he chooses to bring out in terms of Sky's personality. And so watching George perform, I get the sense that Sky sees the world and his position in it as very black and white. And that's really, really fun to watch. I mean, his first line in the show itself is, life's not fair, is it? And he, Sky genuinely believes that. And it's fascinating. And, well, to me it is anyway, there's a very sort of Shakespearean quality about Scar. I mean, let's be honest, I think The Lion King is essentially Hamlet, but with animals. Um, so, yeah, so there's a very sort of Shakespearean quality about the character and um, that, that I adore to begin with. But George also has razor-sharp um, timing and delivery and each time he changes things ever so slightly he'll change the the emphasis he places in a sentence like he'll put it on a different word and so on and so forth and that means for me it's always an exciting ride yeah. I'm the girl who Cheers for Sky at Curtain Call when everybody else is gives him that good natured boo at Curtain Call. I literally just can't bring myself to do it. I've been so I told a little bit of a white lie earlier and I said that um when I sort of spoke about George being my constant in the show, up until I saw the show Back in August for my birthday, he has been, but now I have a new scar to share the space in my heart and my love for the character. I saw George was off um, on my birthday, and I had the honour of seeing Gary Lake in the role, and what a birthday treat that was. He plays Scar so differently to George. I found him to be a really 
properly dark and manipulative and again sort of speaking about the Shakespearean quality uh, there's a real sort of charisma and presence that he has that I absolutely adored and I feel very honoured to have seen him in the role and I'm grateful that I've got a new scar to share that special place in my heart for he um with he all he I loved the way he delivered his lines like he played around with the tone and the delivery all the time um and that made it really exciting and you really have to you have to concentrate to kind of pick up on all the little things that he was doing and it was just a real joy so Gary um, and George are my scars now as well and I'm incredibly incredibly grateful to have seen both of them now I've been lucky and honoured enough um, to meet a few of the wonderful folks who have made this show what it is over the years and what it is for me as a um, as a fan and because of what this show has come to mean to me I especially don't know how Gary Gary Jordan my gorgeous glorious Zazu and George Ascar aren't sick to death of the of the sight of me um, and I'm always always humbled and grateful for their warmth humour and their kind words and the welcome that they've given me and continue to give me um, while sort of we being I can't wait until things kind of get a little bit more back to normal and eventually when stage drawing is safe again um, because obviously with COVID and everything's still, still going on I appreciate that um, the health of the actors is paramount and I want to keep everybody as safe and healthy as they can but I, I haven't um, seen George for a long while after the show um, and I literally can't wait until that time when I can because he just it just makes it just makes me so happy sort of talking to him and the way that he has kind of book, um, welcomed me to the show um, is something I hold really dear and the way that he's always so excited to see me and the banter that we have has become really special to me and um, I can't thank him enough for that. There you have it then folks, my loving ode to the Lion King. I'll see you next time if you fancy being scared silly. Remember you can follow me on Twitter at at K-N, so that's K-E-R-R-I-E-N underscore 27011 and at Wheeler Stagey, 
use the latter on Instagram and Facebook search for Weary Stagey Blog. I always love hearing from you guys and thank you for coming to the Brightlands with me. Hakuna Matata guys, I'll see you next time. Bye.